Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm... You thought you'd escaped my ramblings about reaction videos, didn't you? <laughs> See, th- now they've gotten longer. Mm-hmm. I go onto my feed, and now it's just, it's like a cancer infecting my YouTube feed. Uh, my girlfriend watches Infinity War for the first time, and the video's 50 minutes! How did they watch Infinity War in 50 minutes? <laughs> How At they that speed point, just do a commentary War. track. <laughs> I, I, I'm so, I'm so upset by this. YouTube, I want you to, to end this now. Just for my feed, I'm okay if, if, you know, these videos get millions and millions of views. Just keep it away from me. I'm just an old man. Keep it away. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> and I'm Britton. Um, so, the guys, I was thinking about today's movie. And so, so today's movie will, will feature a lot, of, uh, a lot of punks, members of the punk scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the audience, uh, they, they don't really know this about us, but I don't think they'll be surprised to hear that none of us are really in the punk scene. That does aesthetic. Well, yeah. Oh, he's true school. But as I was thinking about, I was like, what what aesthetic do we fit? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized we're just three different kinds of dad. <laughs> now, Tyler's the only one that's actually created life. So, mm-hmm. but bear with me. In terms of aesthetic, Tyler is mm-hmm. a sort of uh, intellectual tech dad with an actual child. <laughs> I'm... And I really don't like the truth of this. You said that in the way that, like, an action figure comes with uh, (laughs) karate chop action. Yeah. (laughs) Bonus child action. (laughs) I, um, yeah, I I, I don't like the the truth of this, but I'm more of, like, the art dad. Because, like, I, again, audience is not surprised. I, I mean, my, if, if I had to describe my clothing, it is... It is a daily denim situation, guys. It mm-hmm. is jeans all the way down, <laughs> except in summer, usually. Um, and it's different pattern button-ups with the sleeves rolled to the the elbows like every day. Sometimes there's a sweater, maybe a nice Henley in there, but it's it, pretty much everything I wear does basically scream, I drive a Prius. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. that's kind of my whole thing. And Alex is just uh, your standard-issue dad. What kind of movies do you like? The, James the classic, Bond, the classic well, model. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> he's your 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 package deal. What's your favorite movies? James Bond. What's your favorite music? Billy Joel. What's your opinions? Begrudging. Just a dad. <laughs> just, there it is. You know, I, I I did just go on a long tangent about how how I didn't like reaction videos. I feel like that's very classic dad <laughs> vibes. I I did see a cloud shrink away as though Abe Simpson <laughs> was raising his fist. I don't need some seventeen year old telling see, me how Godfather Three is actually not bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the film, but I don't think I want that introduction. Or maybe that's just the introduction I need. <laughs> See, that's that's really not where I thought you were going with that metaphor. I, I was going to say that I think our vibe, if we're talking about, like, the closest vibe if we are not punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like it's like the Lumineers. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right. I think we're somewhere in that range, <laughs> I'm being honest. Are we Mumford's sons? Is maybe that's... <laughs> maybe I was wrong. <laughs> that's also... That's also very... See, uh, equivalent pool. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we're missing the huge elephant in the room, which is Cheryl Crow. <laughs> Cheryl Crow? Sure. Who has actually been featured on this podcast. That's true. <laughs> I do. You're right. That's sort of ironic. Yeah. <laughs> Cheryl, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, sort of. David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> um, the movie we are talking about this week is Green Room. That's right. Green Room. Um, ha- happy, even... happy Thanksgiving, or as I am going to say uh, every year from now on, uh, thanks taking, because sometimes you give yes. thanks and sometimes you take it with a super violent movie that is not wholesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, did we? So 
last year did we do bow and tomahawk or was that the year before uh last year was midsummer right um, and the year and before, the year before was, was bow and tomahawk. um so this is the tradition now yeah i don't know why i don't know how we ended up here um but every movie we do for Thanksgiving requires at least one uh, horrifying image, I would yeah. say, related yeah. to n- mutilation, yeah. uh, injury, you know, like so- something that just really sticks with you. Um, so a sprained I don't know. Well, ankle. Not really sprained a, ankle. I'd a say paper a little, cut. A little beyond. Blood eagle, <laughs> you know. Um, so I... You know, I think we'll we'll really have to dig deep to figure out what we want to do next year because no. we need we need something along these vibes. And I I know this was kind of our obvious thought after last year. Like we, I think we've kind of been planning on this since last year. I don't know if we have a good fill in for next year, so we'll have to yeah we'll have to think about it. That's um, very true. But yes, um, we do hope you all are having a nice Thanksgiving. Uh, by the time this comes out, uh. And man, I hope it goes better than it does for you than for these kids in this picture. Uh, Tyler, you're about to say something. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, I was going to say, uh, would you like to um, yeah. handle the synopsis there? Yeah, well, uh, hang on. Let me just go get go get Mark. Mark, come on. This is the one thing. This is the one thing we need you for. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, on my way. Gee whiz. Okay, no, in front of, in front of the microphone. Sure. Just got to shave all my hair. Okay, so green room. The synopsis is as follows. A punk rock band becomes trapped in a secluded venue after finding a scene of violence. For what they saw... The band themselves become targets of violence from a gang of white power skinheads who want to eliminate all evidence of the crime. Now, needless to say, I related to this film (laughs) because I, too, am a sort of outsider in a very intense space called the Internet. Okay, thank you, Mark. So he, uh, Mark's going to go back and keep playing. What was the name of that? Harvest Moon. (laughs) been getting into harvest moon lately he thinks the seasons are are real and he has to line them up with the with the real world anyway yep that's green room uh alex do you want to tell us the the scores now that mark has given us the the art do you want to give us the numbers the math yeah yeah now that now that we have the foundation that the fans have been demanding uh green room from 2015 directed by jeremy salmier it has a 90% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 75% audience score. Tracks. I, I give it an A+. All right, everyone, that's the show. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I am I am really interested. So uh, Alex and I had already seen this movie. I don't remember. I saw it a couple years ago. Um, Tyler, this was your first time viewing it. Would you like to go first with best and worst, or do you still need to digest as yeah, Alex and I? I think I, I think I can. Okay. Um, I don't even know if I I say that. I will say <laughs> I will go ahead and say um, this is not my my worst thing because it's too. Uh, it'd be too like passe to do it for this. But the the thing that most was most actually most upsetting to me watching this was Antoine Yelchin, and just like yeah. It was hard to watch him because he is so good. He's so um, good. Yeah. And it's like the fact that we lost him when he was so young. Like that's, it's, yeah. it's really crushing. It's, it, it's a hard movie to watch because of that. Um, and I think anything with him probably will be uh, for, for a while here, but like it is uh, a really great performance by him. Um, So I will, I will go ahead and say that I don't really have like a worse thing from a movie criticism perspective uh i i think my best thing about this movie is how how much how effectively it gets you into a state of not knowing where it's going and not Mm -hmm. knowing 
what to expect. Right. Um, <clears throat> there was a pretty, uh, the, the, as we mentioned, every one of these has to have a horrifying scene. So we, I can go ahead and jump right to that where uh, Antoine Yeltsin's character gets his arm sliced up. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. Um, it's, it's like almost, it's not, it's not entirely severed, but it's like half severed at the wrist. Yeah. Um, but it's sliced up the forearm as well. Right, and, right. Uh, it's like, it It looks like a cartoon character, like, getting his hand caught in a, like, sewing needle or something. I got yeah, it, or got sure. his arm caught in a sewing needle. Like, the way that that would be animated for a silly, fun Looney Tunes thing. But it's a human <laughs> effect. It's and a good way to describe not, it, actually, yeah. does not look uh, pleasant. Um, and that's really the... I'm trying to remember... For sure, there's some other moments of violence, definitely, mm-hmm. and some good effects. Um, but that's really like the the height of like, oh, that is not nice to look at. Um, but that happens like halfway through the movie, and so the entire rest of the time, you're like, uh, where, how, how bad are we gonna get? Is this yeah. gonna get worse? Um, and that's, uh, I think a good microcosm of the entire film is that, uh pretty early on things start to get out of control um and you really don't know like what's going to happen to these characters what what's what exactly is unraveling here like what have they stumbled onto um there's just never a sense of settling there it's always keeping you on your toes um it, it it i think it does that through not just the storytelling but also like the performances the and like the choice of um how, for example, Patrick Stewart uh, plays his character. There, there's always this sense of this this person or these people seem like they're capable of a lot, and it's hard to tell exactly what they're capable of uh, in in terms of violence, in terms of being cruel and horrible. Um, the music choices, definitely, uh, the way that it will kind of go in and out. Uh, the, the music and the sound in general um, goes from very hectic to quiet pretty often um it's just kind of a a cacophony uh of a movie and it builds really well i think towards the end on that momentum of like just keeping you consistently freaked out the entire time yeah no for sure um i can piggyback off of that if 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 you're done yeah, I um similarly my I don't I don't have like an out and out worst thing. There were plenty of things that were like unpleasant to see or were sort of barriers, but that was because the movie was doing its job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but my best thing I'm just gonna go with the cast, uh, overall. It is a lot of there are great individual performances, but just everybody in this movie just slots into the world so cleanly and so so naturally. Um I would say that the and it's, this is not even a criticism, but like Patrick Stewart is the closest to seeming out of place only because he's Patrick Stewart and we mm-hmm. all know him and we recognize him. And he has such an iconic voice that we all are like, that's Patrick Stewart. But it doesn't and he's not filmed like a movie star role. He's still shot like a character. And so yep. even that doesn't really happen. But like Anton Yelchin, Alia Shokat, who's the other recognizable face and Imogen Poots. It doesn't feel like maybe in Chekhov or in this crazy punk movie, it feels like they are these characters in, in the world and every single person um, in their punk band and in the, in the, the skinhead bar, like feels just like they were already there. You yeah. know, no, it doesn't feel like a group of famous people got together to put on costumes. Um, and that's really impressive. Like I didn't even realize, and not, not that he's a big star or anything, but Mark Webber, he plays um, Daniel, the mm-hmm. skinhead traitor, or the traitor to the skinheads. He played Stephen Stills and Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and so, cool. <laughs> there he is. I think, I think aside from um, maybe and uh, I was gonna say Antoine, another character Antoine Yelchin played. Mm-hmm. Um, what's whatever his name is in Star Trek. Uh, yeah, I think off. aside from. The two, oh yeah, let's check off. I think aside from the two of them, um, I had seen everybody else 
in like one other movie and sure. in some role that was not a big role um which was a really effective way to build this oh and definitely Patrick, i suppose but yeah. um yeah it, it worked really well to be like these are all very good actors uh who aren't necessarily like well-known or, or big time yeah for sure like i think uh big justin i think he's the voice of one of the we bear bears yes. <laughs> and like uh um macon blair who plays uh gabe one of the skinheads one of the secret good guys mm-hmm. he he's like jeremy Saulnier's best friend and they always work together but he he looks he, in this movie he reminded me a lot of joe lotrulio from brooklyn 99 he plays Boyle, and so I spent, yes, <laughs> there were a few yes. points where i was like evil Boyle, no <laughs> um but yeah so i i think it was i just i really enjoyed the whole the whole cast and some of this comes from i i you know, joked about not being in the punk scene but i have known a lot of people who are just by virtue of where i live and where i grew up that there's i even though i i have never really been in a club like that i know people who play punk music and listen to punk music and dress like that and so i i am no uh i could not be a consulting producer on this movie but it still felt so like oh yeah i know those people yeah, I've seen mm-hmm. I've, I've seen those folks downtown. I've like ended up at the lunch table with those people. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I just all all of that was was really good. I yeah, I mean, I I think there were points. This isn't even really a fair worst thing, but I think there were points where I had some trouble understanding the details of what was going yeah. on. Like, okay, what is Darcy trying to do, and what's the deal with the heroin, and is Daniel a, what's going on? But by the end of the movie, I was like, oh, I got it. <laughs> yep. And then once I looked it up for clarification, I went, oh, okay. So that was basically what I thought. Okay, cool. And I, I think that's just the movie going, we're not going to hold your hand, which is not a yeah. flaw. <laughs> so, Alex? I think my best thing might actually pair a little bit with your worst thing. I, I don't know where this kind of draws the line between horror and thriller. Maybe it's just right. both. Mm-hmm. Uh but in in terms of being a thriller, I think this is one of the best that I've ever seen. Um, Tyler, you already talked about how it just ratchets up the tension so perfectly, and you never really know what's going to happen. And every time you think, oh, maybe they're about to, you know, at least make some progress, get some ground, uh, like three of the characters die and yeah. they're back to square one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like that, that twist that happens basically at the end of the second act where most of them get just killed is yeah. is just very very shocking and very effective but my best thing is going to be and i i think most thrillers this is kind of a secret weapon that a lot of them don't seem to really utilize and that's the focus on the small details all of the little pieces all the little resources at play uh this movie pays a lot of attention to the number of bullets that that characters have and and just kind of the available resources like if there is a a bat or i think they pull one of the the lights from the ceiling and they use it to like as a stabbing weapon or they they kind of throw it um they keep track of all of that and going along with that all of darcy's dialogue you're right britain it doesn't hold your hand but it feels very like if you know what's going on yeah like like he's talking to people who know what's going on like it it feels very the world feels so much more lived in because the stuff the environment matters so keeping track of all of that and just by virtue of them being trapped in a room for a large portion of the movie that's just kind of a necessity but i still feel like a lot of thrillers and, and just movies that rely on suspense just don't do that and so i i think that's something that you know other movies could learn from this in terms of like oh that stuff matters you you might think an audience would get bored with how many how many shotgun shells you got left but no i think that actually matters and it builds up the suspense because when your neo-nazi runs out of shotgun bullets or shotgun shells then uh then oh our characters have a chance it's neat yep my worst thing is going to be purely just taste, and I think this is part of the movie, just like its attitude. Um, I I don't like any of the punk rock music. 
I think it's <laughs> it's kind of terrible. And I, I get that that's kind of the point, and it's supposed to be very niche and very, like, mm-hmm. it's like a subculture of a subculture almost, the way that it's treated. I, I just, you know, aesthetically, I, I didn't find it pleasing to listen to. Although, when they were uh, doing their song and yelling at the Nazis, uh, yeah. that was fun. The Dead Kennedy <laughs> so, song, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I did like that at the very end where they're just like that was a cover. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, I I definitely um did not I did not know, but I was reading about the movie and Saulnier was saying like in the punk scene, this there are clubs like this. This is part of that community, even if it's not every uh, clearly not every punk band feels sure. that way. But, like, there is this, like you said, subculture of a subculture. And he said that for him it was about this is a group of people who have a sense of organization and access to weaponry. And so it's like soldiers versus civilians more than it is about neo-Nazis versus not Nazis. Um, but that – and obviously we as the audience are still pretty comfortable watching neo-Nazis lose because of who they are. Sure. Um but yeah, it's 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 just really interesting. Yeah, I did want to ask because the way we start off with with our 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 punk band, uh, do we know the name of the band by the way? The Ain't Rights. The Ain't Rights. Yes, that's correct. Because they they have all the shots of their equipment just kind of sitting in the hallway, yeah. and and them having to move it. Uh, how did we feel about them just as protagonists? Because at, at the beginning we kind of. It's almost like a day in the life with them just kind of traveling around and they're they're having to siphon off gas from from other people's cars to to get around. And they're very much. uh, I I don't know if selfish is the right word, but they they don't really care about other people. Um, It's about survival, man. It's setting up the theme of the movie. They just do what they got to do to survive. Yeah, no, I do appreciate actually that's that's a good bit of character building to actually make some of the things that they do later on more believable of like, no, if when they're stuck in tough situations, they are proactive and they try and figure it out. They don't just kind of sit there helplessly. Uh, So there is a point to all of that. I I just wanted to know, like, obviously they're battling neo-Nazis. So clearly we know who the good guys are in this situation. I just thought it was interesting that they weren't, you know, they weren't angels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, For me, it was definitely... Like, in the very beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, like I've said, this is not the sort of people that I would just naturally hang out with. But, like, I like that. One of the things I think is most effective about them as protagonists is that, regardless of how likable they are or aren't, which I would say they ultimately are, is that they're, they're believably inept and sure. then and thus believably adept. It's not like they suddenly, someone suddenly becomes like a dead eye shot. Um, mm-hmm. They have all this stuff about Amber, who is this sort of new person who joins their group, who's like, she was never really a neo Nazi, but it's sort of gotten into that community, sort of. Yeah. She grew up in a rough neighborhood, and it sounds like some of, some of the, the people that, that are a part of this group she had to rely on. Yeah, yeah. And so she kind of ended up there, but she she's trying to leave the life. And she says stuff about, like, knowing how to shoot. And you're like, oh, yeah, sure, I believe that. But, like, Anton Yelchin doesn't become, like, a battle-hardened, like, super warrior. Um, and, in fact, I, I realize, like, he's the, I believe, only member of the group who kills anybody. And mm-hmm. it's not, like, a clean... He, a, a guy gets knocked down and he just like smacks him with a machete. It's not like he suddenly duels him, you know, or gets into a yeah. fencing match. So I, I like that the characters are clear that they are humanly smart, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I think this is a perfect example of your characters can still make mistakes without it being, oh, all of the characters are just written dumb. Right. And like how they. Like the uh, the only reason they see the murder happen is because Sam Alia Shokat is like, oh, I forgot my phone. That Which is just they like, set up. Yeah, they have the shot. They, of her they have just a couple and... lines of dialogue of like, oh, I'm gonna plug my phone into the wall. 
Yeah, like yeah. there was all there was so many little and I, I've seen this like four or five times at this point. There were so many little moments like that, so many little bits of setup when they first get to the club, and even mm-hmm. before that, that just get paid off in such very intelligent ways. And it's it's not making a big deal out of it. It's just yeah. there are so many little things that kind of stack up on each other. It's just coming back to it is a very rewarding experience. No, definitely. I guess the closest you could get to a, why did you do that? Is when they hand over the gun. Um, but like, I don't know, even that the movie's got to move forward. Well, well even the, then they, they have, they're like, we're going to take all the bullets. <laughs> right. Yeah, so right. there's a little the bit movie, of like, okay, there's, there is some compromise here. And the movie belabors that point for a solid five minute scene of yeah. them being like, we're not going to do it. Okay, fine. We're going to do it. Yeah. Like they, they argue with each other. They go back and forth. They're with Dorsey. They they go through it for a while to try and get to the point where they're like, okay, fine. We're going to yeah. try and hand you the gun, and then things go horribly wrong. Yeah. And I really like how all that stuff is shot on their side of the door so that you're not spending the whole time staring at Patrick Stewart, which, again, that wouldn't be a bad thing, but it kind of carries across how powerful that character is, that like mm-hmm. there's so much coming from just his voice that we get so much out of their reactions to his voice. And it's like, we all know Patrick Stewart is, we just need to hear him. And the impact is there. Um, yeah, no, definitely. What did we, I want to talk about the violence. And then as a, as as a part of that. So obviously we recently discussed the Halloween franchise, which by the time we were talking about the Rob zombie movies, we talked a lot about sort of the over the overkill, the, the too much violence what and those movies are more violent than this movie but what i i guess i'm getting at is why what makes that this violence different from that violence why do we look at a movie like this and go oh that's so grisly and so horrible but like i i praise the movie for it almost or like it helps the movie as opposed to rob zombie where we where we were like come on really what do we think that I think it One, comes what do we down... think of the violence in this movie? And then how did we, how do we compare those two? Um, I think the violence in the movie is, is very, very well done. It's very grisly. It's very effective. And I think the subject matter, um, kind of calls for it. Um, mm. uh, I think it comes down to a couple of things with, with the Rob zombie movies as a comparison. And the biggest thing for me is that we have a point of comparison. We have the original John Carpenter film and even some sure. of the subsequent sequels to compare against it and john carpenter's halloween is just such the antithesis it's not about the violence it's about the atmosphere it's about the creepiness Mm -hmm, of being alone on halloween and and just kind of having this this looming shadow just he could be anywhere instead of just a big guy just stabbing people over and over again it's kind of lame kind of takes takes a lot of the interest and the mystique out of it um and i think the other thing might just be Halloween is purposely built as a just a, a series of scenarios that are basically just a bunch of violence against innocent girls. Yeah. Um, whereas this is, you know, we spend a lot of time with the characters getting to know them. And, and like we said, they are proactive. They are actually fighting back. It's not just everyone's just getting stabbed repeatedly and they're, they're being, uh, especially inept. Um, I, I think just the way that the characters are framed and then also, you know, this is an original property. I think that that helps it quite a bit compared gotcha. to something like like if Rob Zombie's Halloween movies didn't have the IP attached to it, we probably still wouldn't like them. But I don't mm-hmm. know if we'd be questioning the violence as much as we did. Right. Sure. Because I, I definitely think it, I don't know. I, this movie is somehow as grisly as it can be. It is more spare. Like the amount of violent scenes I think is just fewer. Sure. Um, So one of those things are more impactful, but the movie, and also the movie doesn't linger on those things as much. It doesn't seem to be trying to like punish the viewer so much as communicate with the viewer. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, um, when you, like we don't see Anton Yelchin's arm getting, hacked yeah. away at and really you know he pulls it away and we can see that there's blood but there's only really one shot that we see of like oh it's oh that's messed up but only lasts for like a second it's very it's very quick and the other example that i thought of um was when they kill big justin when he's on the ground and uh 
Oh, uh, yeah. Amber grabs the box cutter and just <laughs> kind of runs it up his stomach, which is very unsettling. But once again, it, it doesn't last very long. Yeah. There's also, there is a part where um, Daniel gets his head or gets right. shot in the head by a shotgun. Yeah. Which uh, is a good prosthetic, I'll say, mm-hmm. uh, when that happens. And he is very clearly dead. Uh, but again, it, yeah, it's just like the shot. You're like, oh, and then he collapses and. Yeah, it's shot in a very matter of fact kind of way. Yeah, I think the longest one might be when uh, the character Tiger is killed with with the attack dog biting him Mm -hmm. and ripping out his throat because that we we witness that happen and then we cut back to him a couple of times. Yeah, Um, because he's still breathing. Yeah. And there's some it's it's very clear what has happened to his throat, but there's a lot of shadow as well. So that it kind of obscures it. And I yeah, I, I guess part of it is is that this movie was like no we're not gonna hold back on like this is the world they're in but we're, we're doing this to show you the environment that they're in and to set the stakes and to communicate those stakes and then in halloween it was like let's just look at this violent stuff and mm-hmm. it it's just not for me it's 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 not as uh fun <laughs> which i parts of green room i do think are fun i don't know if i find the whole movie fun kind of i do think it's kind of funny there are more there's more humor in this than mm-hmm. I initially realized. The movie ends on a joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and it has a line uh, when, when Patrick Stewart has gone out to tell the to tell the audience like, oh, there's been this problem with the generator. We'll all have to call it a night, but come back, you know, Tuesday or whatever. It'll be free drinks for an hour or whatever. And sorry about that. And he says, for those of you attending the racial advocacy workshop on Wednesday, that's still on. And that to mm-hmm. me is such a funny line. Yeah. I think it's because it's called a workshop. Cause then I just picture a lot of like skinheads sitting around like with clipboards, like, yeah, okay, sure. Oh, interesting. Let's discuss that. <laughs> he did also say at the very end of that, he was like, remember, this isn't a party. It's a movement. And I was like, yeah. you're the most despicable man I've ever seen on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Patrick Stewart's so wonderful. He's so oh yeah, he's this. he's absolutely yeah incredible. And one thing that I, I did want to talk about with that is kind of the end scene and kind of specifically Darcy's reactions to kind of getting uh, beat at the end. Um, mm. But we can come back to that, Tyler. I, I you didn't really speak a whole lot on the last five minutes of of discussion. Yes. no i i mean i agree with pretty much everything it's like i think the uh, i think it's just it's a completely different goal and tone and approach to the violence like i think the violence being good and effective is a byproduct of the rest of the movie working Mm, yeah as opposed to anything in particular it's just like it's it's a tool that the movie uses uh to make it work as well as it does. Um, so it's just, it's just like not even in the same ballpark to me. Yeah. As like the Halloween movies. No, I, I think you're right. Cause I remember, I think I said this on the show when we did bone Tomahawk, but saying like, I, the, one of the reasons, if not the main reason I'm able to get through all the terrible stuff towards the end of that movie is because the first hour and 45 minutes, I'm just falling in love with it. I love the dialogue. I love the characters. Like, the, I'm so on the movie side that by the time we get to that part, I'm like, well, I'm already here. <laughs> like, yeah. I get sure. Let's do this. Because, um, yeah, this one, it, I definitely wouldn't show it to any just like, oh, you should watch Green Room. It's a great time. Like, <laughs> it's it's a very it is an upsetting movie. I don't want to downplay it, but it's it's more the kind of thing where it's so effective that you don't realize. There is there is less gore than there is effect from gore yeah uh which i think says very good things about saulnier as a filmmaker I'm yeah, listening... i mean yeah go ahead i was gonna say the movie uh i think i made the joke to y'all that i paid more attention to the first 10 minutes of this yeah. than i did for the last like three movies we did yeah um i i really do think there's i i don't know what all it, i mean it's the craft uh it's 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 being a skilled filmmaker Mm -hmm. um both in terms of how the cast is being directed how the cast was selected uh how the film is shot 
Um, like I said, the audio, like it, it all just immediately grips you. Um, it's an, it's an imminently watchable movie. And yeah, it's, it's funny. Like there's, yeah, there's jokes that aren't just like dark humor jokes. There's like at the beginning of the movie, the, the backup gig, gig that Tad is his name. <laughs> yeah. Tad that Tad gets them, uh, is hanging out in or doing a, a show in like, I don't even know what it is. It, it's, it, it's like it's- some, it was like a family Mexican restaurant. <laughs> yeah, like the 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 Mexican restaurant you'd have down the street. Yeah. Um yeah, it's it's very silly and like all these people are kind of just watching them. Tats, yeah, like, like a waitress walks out. through at one point. Yeah, as they're playing this music that just does not <laughs> fit the vibe at all. Yeah. There's um, one guy trying to record them and at the end of mm-hmm. it Tiger's just like put that away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um yeah. It, yeah, it, it, the the characters immediately. I think the movie does a really effective job of not being like these characters believe they're punk, but actually mm-hmm. here's like the horrible violence that comes with being super hardcore or whatever. It's, right. It it has it could go down that route pretty easily, but I think it's more like I don't even know how to describe it. I can't really fully process it and i don't know that it's trying to say anything yeah super specifically but it it doesn't feel like it's trying to make fun of the main characters for not being like good enough at punk (laughs) (laughs) at being punk um it feels like it has a lot bubbling under the surface about to say about like the image of punk and like the um the like authenticity in general yeah. um and what makes somebody authentic about the way i mean the fact that the writing joke throughout the movie is uh tad at the beginning of the, the movie asks them what is your desert island band and that comes back a few times and anton yelchin's character never says it mm-hmm. um and then at the very end of the movie he's like oh i think my band would be or i know what my band would be in uh imogen poots is like nobody cares dude yeah uh <laughs> we just end that's great yeah. and i think that it's it's very i don't need like i need probably more time to process it and would probably have to watch it again to really like decide if i feel like i like to figure out what i'm what exactly i'm getting from that um but i think it's a lot more nuanced than it could be where it could just be like oh you don't actually want to be punk because look at these guys they're they're crazy right. they're insane um yeah it's it still celebrates them for being who they are yeah uh yeah definitely well i think Saulnier like grew up in that scene so i think it de- it definitely yeah. comes from like a place of of love and and i do like that that culminates with the other tiger says his he's sticking with the misfits as his but like reese says his desert island band is prince mm-hmm. and Sh- sam's is a uh, uh simon and garfunkel and then mm-hmm. imogen poots like to herself goes madonna and slayer <laughs> that's awesome yeah well and, and i really like um i i was reading something and i don't know how much credence to give this um but somebody had had noticed that you know there's all these lyrics in the dead kennedy song they sing about punk is about thinking for yourself it's not about being in a religious cult it's like mm-hmm. nazism you guys try to kind of co-op this movement but like that's not <laughs> at all what yeah this is a is based in um and that the only and that the the one who the member of the band that survives is anton yelchin and he's the one who says let's sing that song mm-hmm. the nazi punks go away is the polite version <laughs> i'll say and uh it's it's so I, I don't know what there's to be to read into that you obviously have to have your like your your sort of survivor character but that i don't know like like you were saying i don't know if there message is probably too big of a word but if there's a thematic sort of reason that like anton yelchin's character had the idea to kind of say this anti-nazi thing to the nazis and then he's the one that makes it out um also yeah i mean he he's the one that kind of has the the idea or the philosophy that ultimately gets ignored because his, yeah. his story gets cut short because he's a bit long-winded about it. Um, but he's got the idea that ultimately 
helps him and Amber survive. Yeah. And they in terms of, of yeah. in terms of go full punk, just act crazy. The Nazis <laughs> won't know what to do with you and you yep. can kill them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they goes, who is that? And he turns around and he says, I am, it is Odin himself. <laughs> He's covered in paint. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, and at the beginning in that interview, there's all these jokes. You start to realize that Tad, who has this like crazy mohawk, that he can't, like, that's the best gig he can get them. Like, he doesn't technically run. Like, he doesn't have all these connections that mm-hmm. he claims to have. And that it's like, he's recording this for like a radio station that may or may not play it. Like, yeah. Now, all, all of that is them kind of realizing, like, oh, there's nothing. <laughs> this is nothing. Yeah. And th- there's a point in there, too, where Antoine Yelchin's character... What is Antoine Yelchin's character's name? Pat. Is it Pat? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Checks the, out. Sure. He, uh, he says, like, they don't record things because... Or they're not on social media, yeah. Or they're not on social media because they don't. They, everyone has to live with the moment. Like it's it's there. You make it and it's there, and then you have to move on. Yeah. And if you weren't there, you didn't get to experience it. And like, there there is so much in this movie, <laughs> which does not feel like it should have room to think about and ruminate on the idea of authenticity and how that applies yeah. to these these communities. Uh, th- the, yeah, there's there's so much extra stuff in the movie that it's like I don't even know when you got this in here. Like, how did you find time? Yeah, to work that in. It's it's such a spare script, and yet so much of the stuff that's in there is so effective and so yeah. pointed. It's ninety um, minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys? So I had forgotten that this movie has for a movie like this a happy ending. Um, relative to this mm-hmm. type of movie where uh, uh, Pat and Amber survive and Gabe, who knew about these other people's plans to leave the skinhead life himself, says, yeah, I'm going to go call the police and get them to come to Darcy's place and I'll help you escape. And I had forgotten about all that. So I was watching it. I was like, oh, do I, is he even going to? Is this going to be the fake out? We're like kind of get the end of bone tomahawk like do we think they made it back okay like Mm -hmm. but with this we see gabe go to this like nearby orchard and say we need the police yeah i i guess you could read it that maybe he's going to spin the story because the whole this whole time uh patrick stewart's character is trying to get rid of the punk band to make it look like they were killed for trespassing yeah. Um, which is why they can only die by dog bite or you only want them to die by dog bite and that they they were trespassing and it's their fault that this woman got killed even though it's actually this other band who he had killed by giving them poison heroin <laughs> and we see them later in the in the movie we see them dying from that and trying to eat cereal or something um, and so I guess you could read that Gabe got over there and is when he contacts the police, is he going to go along with Darcy's plan or is he going to go along with Pat and Amber's plan? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I read it as he's going along with Pat and Amber's plan since he had already, yeah, had already been revealed I, that he was accomplice to these other people trying to leave. But yeah, that tracks to me. Yeah. Also, that's the ending I wanted. To sure. <laughs> well, I, I think he just, he just seems so genuinely uncomfortable the whole time. Like he, yeah. he kind of just uh, abides by the orders until he's able to, to not <laughs> yeah, <laughs> until right. he has the opportunity to not. Cause like even just the way that Darcy just kind of abuses him whenever anything slightly goes wrong, he kind of like slams him into the wall or whatever. And it's like, yeah. yeah, this guy's probably just been, he's, he's probably at the, the bottom of the totem pole in terms of this neo-Nazi club. <laughs> he probably gets beat up all the time. Yeah. There is one moment that I find genuinely sad, which is one of the the weapons in this movie is that there's a guy who brings these attack dogs mm-hmm. and then he is later killed by Pat and Amber. And then like one of the attack dogs finds him and just like lays their mm-hmm. its head on him. And I was like, that's terrible. It's <laughs> such so a sad. Well, it's such a like. The, the obvious thing to do, because I. I mean, I think the movie expects you to think this is what's going to happen. 
um, is er- earlier in the movie, that dog, I believe, gets catches some shotgun. Yeah, I think uh, it's either that fire. dog or another one. Yeah, is I think it's wounded. that one. Um, and the dog owner is like, hey, I've, you know, given this dog enough adrenaline or whatever it is to uh, fin- finish the job. I want you y'all to make sure that he uh, gets to eat them like that's you know his last act or whatever yeah. um and darcy's kind of like don't do that um <laughs> it's like we just just kill uh and then we're, they... we're not we're not animals we don't let the dog <laughs> eat the humans just yeah. kill them um and then that dog runs away because they turn the feedback up really high yeah uh, as part of their kind of altered tactics to escape um and that's when the dog wanders off. And so the entire time I'm thinking, okay, that dog's going to come back and it's going to eat one of the bodies or like attack one of the neo-Nazis or something. And so when it was walking up, I was like, oh, it's going to uh, attack its owner and it's going to be this big, like, full circle thing. Yeah. Um, Kind of a Ramsey from Game of Thrones sure. style. Like, oh, okay, come up and stir. But that's that's such a neat, different thing mm-hmm. like it's just it's just really yeah. neat to be that and it's sad you're right that the dog just comes up and it's just like oh well okay i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna hang out here and die i guess <laughs> i know like Ugh. uh it's really sad but it's it's beautiful in a way like yeah which yeah. is just weird to, <laughs> that they found that gym and, and again right. there's so many bits in this movie that just kind of pull uh something wild and great out of yeah. very simple things oh definitely i i the only other of his and he's made i think four features so on the he apparently directed two episodes of the newest true detective season Ooh. or the most recent one um but i the only other movie of his i saw was hold the dark which i recommended years ago on mm. this show and it's a it's on netflix i really like it that one's a lot more it's slower it's longer it's a more sort of haunting mood kind of horror movie um, with Jeffrey Wright and James Badgetail. Mm-hmm. It's got a great shootout in it. It's a lot of really good stuff. And I don't remember where exactly, because I remember I remember the tone of it more than I remember the event. So like, I can't remember how much it felt. It found those moments. But that was also the only movie he didn't also write. Um, so I'll be interested to see like Blue Ruin and maybe even Murder Party, uh, his first two movies, because to see like how... Uh, how how that um sort of compares those moments of like sincerity i guess for one of a phrase or sensitivity mm-hmm. um, yeah sentiment yeah <clears throat> uh just to circle back on something i i had uh talked briefly about uh i love the final moments that we get with uh darcy because I love the kind of build up and foundation of his character that he is always thinking he is always 10 steps ahead of our protagonist even when he gets stumped the wheels are turning he's always thinking of he's thinking of it as a chess game like I've got to move all the pawns around Um, insert X-Men this time the pawns go first (laughs) pun here uh but I love how they, they set that up and they, they define that character so well. And then at the end, when he's he's been completely stumped and he has no idea what to do, he literally just turns around and walks away. It's <laughs> yeah. the most illogical mm-hmm. thing you can do when two people have guns pointed at you. I'm just going to turn around and walk. Doesn't he have, doesn't he say like, I'll go get blank or something like that. They tell him to go get something. Isn't there some kind of prompt for him to do that? I can't I remember. D- I don't think so. I, I want to say they, they kill the, the, the dog owner. Um, yeah. And then he just kind of turns because he's just been stumped. <laughs> well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just think like that's just a really interesting way for your bad guy to go out of just like yeah. complete like break. Like he... The facade has completely crumbled, and now yeah. he's just—he's completely helpless. Maybe we should have done that in World War II. Just shot other people near them, and the Nazis would have gone, "Well," and then just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, war is over. Good job, everybody. Yeah, why didn't we do that? <laughs> why did we just wait for them to walk away? 
God, guys. Now watching Band of Brothers, it's completely ruined for me. <laughs> Call of Duty is really more of a patience game. Uh, joke about uh, Vanguard being bad. Tyler, talk more about uh, Green Room. <laughs> All right, I'm looking up uh, the... I'm looking up what I, what else Jeremy Solnier is doing, and apparently mm. he's writing or he's making a movie called Rebel Ridge, and that's all. That's cool. all there is. That's a, that's that I am finding about it, at least. Interested in that? Gotta say. So I don't know what's going on with that. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of what else we haven't kind of touched on um i really like the running i I like that the early kind of like the first two acts of the movie the big point for the nazis is the uh the keys to the van yeah um and that that's a through line of they keep checking the bodies to be like do they have the keys do they Mm -hmm. have the keys yeah um and the fact that the movie begins with the band getting back into the room because they didn't lock the door. Um, and the, the big Justin, one of the, <laughs> the neo-Nazis makes a big deal about like, it's super easy to lock the door. And like, then the entire rest of the movie you're thinking about like, did they lock the door? Yeah. Okay, they locked the door. Good. It never really comes back to that. That's kind of like a, th- there is elements of that of like very realistic. Okay. Well, if they lock the door, it's a lot harder for, the door to get broken down and if uh they don't have the keys to the van they don't really have a good way of getting the uh the van to the right place so that it looks like they got killed for trespassing like there's a lot of consideration for the logistics of things Mm -hmm. uh, which i think is always a really good sign for a movie that they are paying that close attention to the details um I, i enjoyed it I enjoyed Definitely. the the way that the plot kind of like what you're talking about, Britain, the the there are moments where it's almost like, I don't know if I know what's going on here. Um, yeah. And you, I think that's supposed to be the point you're supposed to be feeling bewildered along with the band. Like, what what did we even what happened? Like, how did we get him involved in all of this? Um, and so I like that that I, I like that we slowly piece together. OK, this uh the fact that the crux of it is basically that Tad's brother and his brother's girlfriend are coming to stay. Mm-hmm. And that's just like a throwaway, like, Oh yeah, they're going to come hang out. Uh, so I got to clean up the apartment yeah. <laughs> or, or the house. And that ends up being like, Oh, they were trying to get out of this. Yeah. Uh, awful community and escape and i think so correct me if i'm wrong i think the implication is that they're going to they they're bringing with them that the bat is proof that would implicate the neo-nazis in a crime uh they're gonna bring oh the bat yes maybe that i know was what i know that they have the was. the thing about this is the this is a song title and a set list and at this song is when we're gonna yes. that's the cue to leave Maybe I didn't catch that. Because so. Darcy says something about how, like, this is this was used in uh, something else. Yeah. And then he says, um, what's his face? Worm, the, right. the lead singer who killed, or whoever of the band who killed uh, Emily. Emily. Yeah. Daniel's girlfriend. Um, he says something about how Worm saved them all. Mm hmm. And I think the implication there is that Daniel was going to take that and they were going to escape and then be like, oh, hey, we have this thing that frames the rest of the oh, gotcha. crew for doing some horrible thing. Yeah. Um, And, and that's all. Again, the, this is like little pieces of dialogue, little like mm-hmm. snippets, yeah. little details that as you pull it together, you're like, oh, there is this whole like conspiracy going on there. They have they find a heroin lab. <laughs> yeah, that's like a whole other element to this. Um, the, well, the, it's like, all yeah unravels really fascinatingly well when they get to the club i think it's 
Reese or Tiger says, like, oh, your cousin Daniel, right? Yeah, Tad sent us. And Daniel's like, don't say anything about him. You're not supposed to. Don't let, I don't want to hear any. You mentioned anything about us going to his apartment or anything. And you're just like, wow, that's really intense. Cool it, guy. Mm-hmm. To later realize, oh, that's why. And then there's a part where Darcy says something about where's Daniel and the replacement bartender, who is not Badger from Breaking Bad. <laughs> um, Could says, have fooled me. <laughs> He says, like, oh, Daniel had to take off. He asked me to cover for him. And it becomes this, like, Darcy has this, like, mm, and he has, like, he reacts to it in a way that seems suspicious. So, again, like you said, it all kind of comes together of, oh, okay. <laughs> Gabe was going to help. Because yeah. he talks to Gabe about it. And he's like, why didn't you talk to me about it? Or why do you have a shift change? And Gabe's like, I, 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 I just had to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you realize, like, oh, Gabe was a part of that, helping them get out and. Yeah, it's pretty good. And uh, Tiger, in a pretty classic horror thriller uh, uh, approach, has a a line at the beginning of the movie where he jokes about he's not going to live to be 70. Um, <laughs> but then I think he also, in one of the songs they perform, I think he has some lyric about being the first to go. You'll be the first mm-hmm. to go, or I'm the first to go, or something like that. And I believe he is, in fact, the first of the <laughs> band to go. <laughs> and I was like, all right, Jeremy, I see what you're doing here. Well done. Ah. Yeah, I think it's it's just one of those things where you just have this super simple but effective premise. Yeah. And it's just it's just a 90-minute thriller. Yep. A band gets caught in a Nazi a neo-Nazi club and it's just it, you can l- sprinkle in just as many details as you want to make it rich. Yeah. But it's got that super simple backbone that is just really durable and really supportive. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's as good stuff. <laughs> as usual, when we when we review a movie we all like, it doesn't take us very long. <laughs> I mean, we're over now. That's true. Uh, compared to our our review of Wonder Woman in 1984, which I believe was longer than the movie, um, sure, or close to it. <laughs> uh, we all ready to grade this thing? No, I'm ready to yeah. talk about Wonder Woman 1984 some more. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, a plus. I just had a good time. Also I also just remember the, the the part where Worm walks up to uh, Antoine Yelchin and is like, "Hey, you had a good set. Yeah, that second song you played was really good. <laughs> like that's yeah, that's the one I killed her too. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and it's like oh my oh, god. god. <laughs> um, <sighs> I'm gonna go flat A." It's it's very very good. It's just it, and that that lack of plus is simply a the, not having that personal hook for me that like a bone tomahawk or hereditary does. Um, but it's still quite good. So uh, my recommendation this week is another movie about people who feel trapped, but this time it's by the trappings of age and making art. Uh, I'm is it recomm- old? It's old <laughs> <laughs> by M. Night Shyamalan. No, I'm going to recommend uh, Shocker. I'm going to recommend Tick, Tick, Boom. Mm. This is the newest uh, stage m- film adaptation of a stage musical. The stage show is by Jonathan Larson, who created Rent. The movie is directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, I think the script was Stephen Levinson. I think he, he adapted it. Uh, it's on Netflix, and it's great. It came out this weekend. Um, it stars Andrew Garfield as Jonathan Larson, and in case you don't know, basically it was this like rock monologue type thing that Larson had, had worked on before he made Rent, and then after Rent became the legendary phenomenon that it would become, other people sort of created a three-person stage show out of the sh- out of Tick Tick Boom, which has now led to this sort of multi-member cast movie. Um, uh, I really liked it. Ticket Boom as a stage show is not something that I, I I know it pretty well, but I don't. It doesn't live in me the way like In the Heights does. So in some ways that may have helped me like it more because any changes they made I either didn't notice or didn't bother me really because it wasn't like I needed certain songs to be a certain way. Um, but even beyond that, I think it's just a really well-made movie. There are a few fairly on-the-nose references to Rent, which I don't mind. Um, it stars Andrew Garfield, who I confess I have, 
I like Andrew Garfield, but I hadn't found like the performance that made me go, oh, now that's like he's phenomenal. Like, I, I what a great actor. Uh, this is the closest he's come to that for me. He is really, really good in it. He just throws everything into that performance, and it's it's definitely a theatrical performance. But he doesn't. It's not theatrical in a way that feels too big for the frame. Um, he sound, he sings quite well. He he's just tremendous in it. Um, you've also got Robin Jesus, who's wonderful. Joshua Henry, Vanessa Hudgens is in it. Not a whole whole lot, but she is in it. Uh, Alexandra Ship um, from X Men, Dark Phoenix, or Apocalypse is in it, and she's very good. Uh, and it's just a, a really really great cast of a ton of theater actors. A lot of this movie was me doing the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen meme <laughs> because there are so many theater actors. I went, that's that's. That's or like composers where I'm like, is that Janine Tesori? What's she doing here? But it, it it's in a way that I think works. There is one particular number that is kind of him fantasizing about a musical number that is a reference, sort of his version of a Sondheim song called Sunday. And that number is littered with Broadway star cameos um, mm-hmm. that elated me, but not in the like easter egg substituting for narrative way but in the like hey it makes sense that all these people would be in this number because of what it's like in a meta way it makes sense and also isn't it cool that we got if you know you know (laughs) and i definitely knew um but i think even if you're not like the big broadway nerd that i am i think you'll still get a kick out of it you may not find bradley whitford's performance of steven sondheim as oddly funny as i did but uh it's a really really well done movie i think it's directed really beautifully the musical numbers are all shot really well which we all know what a stickler i am for that um i really 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 liked it uh it's on netflix now and it's called tick tick boom who else i watched more sopranos and paul dano showed up (laughs) that was a very funny screen cap you sent us him with a very funny haircut <laughs> a very like 2003 look yes mm-hmm. Oof. tyler uh i did pair green room with a very different movie uh, which britain you may have recommended in years past um but i'm going to recommend for this year uh planes trains and automobiles i have not recommended uh, that okay um i have seen it though yeah, it's just uh, as horrifying. <laughs> it's stressful in a very different, less yes. stressful way. <laughs> um, but uh, a lot of fun. Um, kind of the only Thanksgiving movie out there uh, yeah. in terms of a movie that is uh, kind of about Thanksgiving and not about Thanksgiving with relation to getting to Christmas. Right. Um, and. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. Great performances from Steve Martin and John Candy. Uh, it's a movie that I think for, I mean, it's John Hughes and it's a movie for me that, uh, I think it's comparable to like a national lampoons Christmas vacation, but it's not as grimy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, it's a lot more, there's a little bit more heart to it. And, uh, it's not quite as like, I, this is funny, but a little gross to watch. It's, it's more, um sincere than that lots of fun cameos from the other john hughes bit part actors and also kevin bacon for like 30 seconds oh wow uh there's a handful of random people who pop in and out uh which are, are fun to look for um it's a it's a good time uh sweet movie and I would recommend it for your Thanksgiving viewing pleasure. Hopefully I get this podcast out by tomorrow because that would also help. We are recording this the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Eve Eve, if you will. Yeah, that's a nice movie. It's filled with helium. Yeah, that movie's filled with helium, so it's very light. (laughs) Uh, That's a great scene. Yeah. So, guys, after uh, we're all belly full of turkey and stuff. wait, Mm -hmm. wait. Mm-hmm. I do have to uh, add an addendum here that a uh, friend of the podcast and my wife, Alex, uh, does not recommend planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> she she was too stressed out by it uh, because the. I guess I should say the whole premise of that is like 
Steve Martin's trying to get back after his plane lands in Wichita when he was trying to go to Chicago. So he's trying to get back to Chicago and uh, John Candy is like giving him all this advice on like how to get back and all the different ways he can try to get back and it does not work at all uh, for the most part. And then, well, y- you'll see if he makes it back for Thanksgiving. Ooh. Ooh. If you watch the movies. Um, Don't let her watch Home Alone then. <laughs> no, no. Uh, she does not recommend. Uh, instead, uh, she would like to substitute Lilo and Stitch. So, I actually did rewatch that movie not too long ago. That's a really good movie. <laughs> like, which no, one? Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Like, no joke. It's yeah. a really good movie, and hand drawn animation is a not entirely bygone beauty. Yeah. It's a great, great movie. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, we are starting a new franchise next week once we're all full of turkey and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I think the, the ha- you will see it on your podcatcher uh, next week, but we are, we are excited. I think this is going to be a cool one. Tyler, if they want to find that episode, where can they do that? They can do that on herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can go to Twitter at HTTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, um the dark web <laughs> i really hope we are also the light web yeah the fun the fun web the fun web <laughs> the mark web the mark web <laughs> kids with a z dot com uh-huh. <laughs> come on down <laughs> cool kids dot math cool math dot net <laughs> Well, kids dot math is way better than anything I was about to say. <laughs> oh my goodness. Alright, I can't beat that. <laughs> New grounds. Oh man. So yeah. <laughs> Angel Fire. Yeah. <laughs> Find us on the Please torrent spot. our podcast. Yep. Oh man. We encourage it. And if you're on the dark web, can't wait for my missiles. I'm not buying missiles. Please don't investigate me. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> Enjoy your uh, your your family. <laughs> Enjoy your family. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I hope you all are having a wonderful holiday. Had a wonderful holiday. Will have a wonderful holiday. I've been Britain. I've been Alex. I've been Tyler. And you're having a happy Thanksgiving. Unless this gets uploaded a day late. Oh, no!